Welcome everybody, my name is Pav Bryan, I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. Uh, again, I'm delighted to be joined today by Spokes and British cycling strength and conditioning expert Scott Pearson and we're going to be talking today about something that I'm pretty sure has touched everybody at least once. We're going to be talking about injuries, uh, but first before we jump in, Scott, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And further listeners, uh, if you've uh, not heard Scott's previous uh, podcast, we talked about how uh, you could get started with a strength and conditioning routine that fits seamlessly around your, your current training and uh, and how to prioritize that. So I think one of the biggest problems we have as endurance athletes, especially if you're on the triathlon side of things, is uh, how you would go about fitting in gym or home base, body weight, whatever sessions to, to, to complement your training without taking away some of that valuable training time um but uh for the listeners that maybe have not heard that podcast scott uh could you give us a, a little bit of the lowdown on who you are and uh why uh you're here uh yeah absolutely yeah um so like, as you said my name's scott pearson i'm a strength and conditioning coach have been in full-time uh, professional sport since 2003 um predominantly in rugby so 2003 to 2012-ish uh, working uh, in rugby union, a variety of different clubs. Um, a short period of time after that in um, in, in football, at Stoke City. Um, they were at the bottom of the championship then. They were as they are now. They were uh, in, the, in the Premiership, the Premier League at the time. And um, yeah, and then joined British Cycling as a strength and conditioning coach. There uh, worked multi disciplines, um, sprint, BMX. Um, track and road endurance and um, cross country mountain bike. So, uh, and, and I managed the um, the Paralympic squad through to Rio, 2016. So, a decent sort of spread of, um, of experience, shall we say? Absolutely, and uh, yeah, like we've uh, we've said, we we are delighted to have you um, head up our strength and conditioning side of the spoke setup, and uh, um, we we had you on with uh, one of our spoke stars, our ambassadors, as a uh, uh, in a live broadcast in our Facebook group for the listeners. Yes. If you if you ever want to join in, we have regular uh, weekly or, or twice a week um, interviews with our style uh, with our experts or our coaches. Uh, you can just search for either nutritionally fit or spokes performance training advice on Facebook access is completely free and uh, you can come for the interviews and stay for the support is what we say uh, and uh, Scott your your interview was uh, was absolutely incredible so we really appreciate you. Uh, you giving up the time so let's just jump straight in with our topic for for, for today and uh, injuries so I mean yes. I, like I said at the top of this we're we're pretty much all going to have had some form of injury. I mean, if you've not had an injury, you've definitely had a sickness of some form, which has probably yep. come from uh, or might have been exasperated by training. As we all know, like the training that we do is, um, especially for endurance athletes, is is really pushing that our bodies to a limit and that can cause like weakened mm. immune systems. But but let's, let's just talk about specifically about injuries now. Scott, what causes an injury? Um, well... Put it bluntly, there's a weakness somewhere, so something gives way. Um, so when we talk about injuries, there are two different types of injury broadly. So the first one would be what we call, call like an acute injury, um, something you you know when it happened, right? That happened then. Um, so if, you know, if you go back to a cycling um, perspective, 
you know, a fall, a crash, that kind of thing. You break your leg. You know exactly when it happened. Um, the other type of injury is what we call a chronic injury, and that's something that kind of slowly comes on over time. You can't pinpoint exactly when it happened, um, but, you know, it, it builds up. You know, oh, God, my leg's a bit sore or my knee's a bit sore or whatever. Um, and they usually come from uh, a weakness on one side of your body and a corresponding tightness on the opposing side of your body. Um, so broadly, that's where they come from. So I just to just to add my little bit in here. Now I'm now yeah. obviously I'm not the expert here, but the best way I was ever um, or the the way that it was best described to me was that with our training, what we're doing is we're trying to force our bodies to adapt. Uh, that's obviously yeah. what we're principally trying to do. And what typically happens is an injury occurs at the point at which the stress that we put our bodies under, or uh, the stress is so much that our bodies can no longer adapt, and that's when we get an injury. Do you agree with that, or is that? Um, you throw me a curveball. I know. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't necessarily. Um, well, not necessarily, because I think it can come from a mismanagement of your body. Okay. Uh, and then you know, some of the things we might come on to shortly is if you, you know, don't recover properly after you've exercised. Um, you're not getting the right you know, kind of nutrients in, that kind of thing to flush away like waste products and things like that. So you can get accumulations of fatigue, which you could alleviate using some, you know, some basic techniques uh, and eating the correct foods and drinking enough fluid and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, to a, I don't necessarily agree with that, no. Okay, well, that's absolutely fine, and that's why you're here. <laughs> um, that's uh, perfect. But let's now then talk about, so so let's just say, worst things happened, we've now got an injury. What's the best yeah. course of action? Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on the type of injury. So, um, you know, endurance sports generally, cycling in particular, and, you know, in my sort of past guys as a strength coach in rugby team, you use cycling, for example, to, to rehab a knee injury, but... Knee injuries are the second most common injuries in cycling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it can cause injuries as well. And the problem is you're in a fixed position and you're repeating the same movement thousands and thousands of times. So it only takes a really small kind of deviation from, you know, in inverted commas, the perfect technique. Uh, for you just, just to kind of just a little nag, little nag, little nag, and it will just build up, build up, build up. Um, so depending on the type of injury you've had, uh, obviously you want to get it assessed. So, you know, if you're, if you've had a crash, the chances are you're in A and E or something like that. So, you know, the, the doctor will do it at the time, but if it's, you know, the more common, uh, chronic injury doesn't, you know, doesn't affect you massively day to day, but it just feels a bit uncomfortable on the bike. Um, these are the kind of things that ca can manifest into to larger problems and build up over time. So it, it's definitely worth, you know, finding out exactly what the problem is. And to do that, the only person that can do that is a, is a qualified chartered physiotherapist. So hunt out a good one. Um, it might cost you a bit of money, but it'd be money well spent. Uh, and they can diagnose the, 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 the root cause of what's happening. Um, and, then, and then, you know, you can come up with a plan to get it sorted. More often than not, injuries within cycling are due to either an ill-fitting bike, so you're in a bad position in the first place, 
or as we said, you, you're not doing enough to to strengthen or, or to loosen the, the right areas. Um, so yeah, uh, see a physio and then and get your bikes your bikes fitted properly. Absolutely. So you mentioned yeah. that knee knee pain or knee injury is the second most common. Yeah. Uh, what's the first most common injury? Uh, lower back, I think. Yeah. Lower, lower back. back yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm thinking from yeah. personal here. I'm like, yeah, my knee's gone yeah. more than one time. My ankle think, is gone. Yeah, for, what's my? Yeah. <laughs> what else has gone in my body? I think it's, I think it's lower lower back, <laughs> lower back, knees, anterior knees, the front of your knee, yeah. and um, shoulder. I think are the top Fantastic. three. Okay, so yeah. good. I, and I, I completely agree. And I'm hoping that actually, there, as a coach, you hear this all the time. I, when, whenever we're, uh, we're, we're, we're obviously analysing our clients' data or whatever, that they go out for a ride and they're like, "Oh my, yeah. uh, I've got a little twinge in my knee." I'm like, "Okay, well." I've worked with people who are very reluctant to go and spend any money on physiotherapy. And uh, yeah. I can I can say that, yeah, maybe the first occurrence probably doesn't warrant that. But if that's something that is repeatedly like over yeah, a couple yeah. of days, then I would definitely do it. Because, um, I, I mean, even, even I, I could even hold my hands up and say that I've been somebody that's been like, yeah, it will go away. And uh, it just doesn't yeah, yeah. do that because yeah. it's a repetitive. You're, if, you've hurt, if you've hurt your knee and you've hurt your knee cycling and then you continue to cycle, you're just you're never going to get better. Better. You're making so, it worse, yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned um, the, the 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 right that obviously see a thick physio, um, and it could be bite fit, but also there could be something you could do to strengthen. Um, so yeah. that would be uh, potentially some sort of injury prevention routine. Um, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so obviously, I'm a, I'm a strength coach, so I can, I'm biased in this area. But you know, all the research shows that if you are stronger. Um, you are more resilient against injury. And once you, or if you become injured, you then can return to, to your full fitness much faster if you're stronger. So, um, yeah, that, you know, that's the crux of what I do, you know, how I help cyclists and triathletes. And, um, you know, nine times out of ten, it works. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So just to reinforce that, stronger doesn't mean that you're way more absolutely yeah yeah 100 percent agree with that so um i think we mentioned this on the on the podcast last time i was on you know the one of the biggest fears cyclists have you know when they think about lift, lifting weights is, is increasing their body weight and um you know i've got I've, you know coached well over 100 200 cyclists and uh, every single one of them has actually lost weight when they started doing a, a strength plan yeah i mean i completely um, agree with yeah. you there it's um i i, I was uh, when, when, just to give like a little bit of my personal story, I, I started when when I finished uh, uh, Route 66 uh, over a year ago. Now I kind of took some time off the bike and did some gym work, and I was purely sort of gym based and barely riding yeah. at all. And I did put weight on, but but since I transitioned back into endurance training, I haven't stopped going to the gym. And if anything, actually, my um, my, all of my gym workouts have been very much more targeted and, and, and sort of specific. But I've lost like six kilograms and I'm still stronger than yeah. ever. It's like, really, yeah. it's not... You, you, strong, strength doesn't necessarily mean that you are a heavier person. I think that that's really important for, yeah. for a lot of our, our, our weight-conscious cyclists uh, out there yeah. to, to bear in mind. So, Just a little bit of an anecdote, like a good friend of mine, um, he worked for a national squad of... Um, uh, I probably won't say what it is because I'll give the giveaway. But they were they were fighters, so obviously it's weight categorised, and all these fighters, you know, punches and kicks and all that sort of stuff. So they're all getting a lot of them getting hip injuries and this that and the other. So as a, he was a physio, so as a physio, he was saying, 
but we need to get these fighters doing some strength training, whatever. And the performance director was saying, absolutely not. You know, they had this panic about them putting weight on and all this, that, and the other. And he said, yeah, he said if weights will put weight on, they'll be too heavy for their weight class. And he was saying, look, but the weak, you know, we need to get the hips stronger. And uh, so he was really, really resistant to it. So eventually this physio said, if I can show you a, a weight categorized sport where all they do is lift weights, will you believe me? He was like, there isn't such a sport. So yes, there is. He said, weightlifting. <laughs> 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 they have to keep under a certain weight and all they do is lift weights. So, um, you know, it can be done. Interesting. <laughs> and it is done. <laughs> uh, so we're yeah. talking um, our injury prevention routine. How often and yeah. uh, a week would you do this? And how long would a typical session be? Well, I mean, the, as we said before, like the, the best injury prevention mechanism is just purely being strong. Um, so unless you have uh, an existing injury, I wouldn't say there is a particular need to do a specific injury prevention program. So if you have a, a good, you know, well-rounded, good quality strength-based program to complement your cycling, and if you can also manage your cycling load you know, through the weeks and months and through your training year alongside your strength plan, for most people, that will be good enough. Um, now, obviously, with cycling, there's, there are common injuries with cycling. We mentioned the top three a second ago. So within that plan, you know, a good plan would, would take those things into consideration. Now, if you already have an injury, then again, you, you may need to do some additional work, either strengthening certain areas or loosening other areas off. Um, that can be within the session or around the session as part of a warm-up or as part of your recovery routine. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't do... Um, again, sorry, going back to one of my previous roles in football, um, as an SNC coach in football, you're kind of you're judged on player availability. So a lot of a lot of the work you do there is um, what you probably consider like prehab or uh, injury prevention routines. And we did a lot of these kind of what I call like fluffy, you know, uh, shoulder type exercises and hip kind of glute medius type exercises. And it, didn't really change the injury status of a lot of the players, you know, until you started a more formal, basic strength training program. And at that point, then mm -hmm. the, the injuries started to come down. So okay. perhaps a bit basic, sounds a bit simple, but it works. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Um, and, and so how, how, how many times a week would you think the minimum or maybe we can give a minimum, but then an ideal amount and then, and then how, what kind of duration? I, the, reason, the reason I'm questioning along these yeah. lines is I know that a lot of our listeners are going to be curious, maybe a little bit concerned that this is going to be too much time for, for them to fit in. And I, I actually think that, yeah. I think that actually, if we look at the bigger picture, uh, especially as we're coming into winter and there's more time and more opportunity for people to be able to to do these types of sessions. I think that actually in the longer run, you will have more bike time because you'll be less yeah. likely to get injured and everything like that. But we have yeah. to deal with the here and the now. And I think that there'll be a lot of people curious as to how often and how long the sessions are. So typically, I think, again, I think I think we talked about this last time, I can't we remember. Did, yeah, but I think we, so. we, we talked about that sort of graphic equalizer approach. 
Um, and that, you know, it depends on your riding schedule and what you've got. So in the thick of the season where you're, you're racing, obviously it's not going to be um, appropriate to be doing three or four gym sessions a week because, you know, you'd be too tired for your, for your training and your racing, and that obviously takes priority. Um, but like you say, at this time of year, when the weather's uh, in, in where I am, not necessarily where you are, <laughs> but where, the, uh, where I am, the weather's not great. Um, there's far more opportunity to to really build a base, um, and normally I would say anywhere between one and three sessions per week of approximately 45 to 60 minutes, depending on what the content of that is and what your training aims are. Um, as you get nearer to the season, you know you're more likely to be in twos and one session a week, so a lower frequency than you are the twos and threes, the higher frequency. Um, but you know it's it's as everything is it's, it, it depends type question yeah exactly and i think that that's probably where um uh, if, if people are unclear that's where having a coach or uh, a coach that works with uh, someone like yourself scott um yeah or, or even like a personal trainer can really help and uh, uh build that plan because it's at the end of the day it's all about personalization and that's what i would really love for us uh, Alice, yeah. to come away with today and uh, as we progress through these uh, the questions we'll, we'll finish with some uh, top five tips for for injury injury prevention and uh so I, I guess what does a typical strength and conditioning routine look like? And maybe we can talk about one for, for somebody who is just going to be homebound, um, where they're, they're just not able to either afford uh, either the, the cost or the time yeah. of, of a gym membership. And then maybe one where they've got like a full gym set up. Yeah. So, um, so, so the, you know, the basic gym routine would, would focus Again, I think we I think we talked about this last time. But the, the, if you consider um, what we call like main lifts or our primary movements, um, which would be typically a squat, um, the specific type of squat doesn't doesn't matter at all, um, as long as you're sort of bending down and standing back up again. Um, what we call a hip hinge or a deadlift type movement. Um, the problem with saying deadlift is that a lot of cyclists who are tighter and perhaps more, you know, longer limbed and rangy struggle to get that last bit down to the floor. And that's where their technique breaks down. So uh, hinging at your hip. So the first kind of top half of a deadlift is a really, really key movement. Encourages you to use your, your glutes uh, and hamstrings effectively, um, prevents lower back injuries um, and the final one would be the final main movement would be like a uh, lunge type movement or, or like start with a split squat. So one foot in front, one foot behind going straight down and up. Um, and that gives you a bit of, bit of lateral strength. And that's really, really important for, for again, protecting your back, uh, takes pressure off your ITBs and, and your knees as well. So um, they're really, really good. They're, they're the basic three movements. I then support that with some upper body work, which most cyclists kind of like gawk at you when you say mm. that. But again, yeah. <laughs> building up the whole body and the pattern. Um, so you know, a horizontal type pulling movement. Um, so I use one called chest supported row. So you're kind of you're lying on a bench and, and, and pulling a, a dumbbells or a bar up towards your body, like the opposite of a press up basically. Uh, and then facing up and pushing away from you. So like a press up or um, a bench press type movement, maybe my upper body ones. And then I tend to pair them with 
um, some core exercises, which um, again, I think we've already been through, but um, preventing movement at your trunk whilst your limbs are moving through um, front and back, side to side, or rotational movements. That kind of makes sense? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm sat there and I'm comparing what you're telling me with what yeah. I'm doing, and I'm with like, what you're well, doing. I'm getting yeah. some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, the old Pareto, well, the 80 20 rule, 80% of the benefits you get, physical benefits, will be from that low number of, of movements. Um, and the beauty about those is you, you can build up the complexity of the movement as you get better, as you get stronger, and as you get more mobile. So if we take squat, for example, if you've never squatted before and you've got stiff ankles and a, uh, and you can't hold your back in the right position, well, you're not going to get a big heavy bar and put it on your shoulders because it's, it's an accident waiting to happen. But what you can do is grab a, a TRX handles uh, and lower down, unload your body. So you're actually using less than your body weight to begin with and start to build up the movement patterns and get used to the performing the movement over and over again. And as you get better, as you get stronger, as your joints become more mobile, then you can move on to sitting up and down off a chair, to holding a weight out in front of you and what we call a goblet squat. And you just build it up gradually. Excellent. And I, I guess yeah. I guess we're saying as well that if if people like this like the example you just said, so for, for our listeners who have not done anything, um, we yeah. are saying start low weight, high rep, are we? And then progress onto the more heavier stuff? Uh, I'd probably say low weight, low rep. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Low <laughs> yeah, weight, yeah. low rep, yeah. So, or low rep, like sort of moderate rep. So I, I start off, uh, if, so if I was talking about a one rep max, would you know what I was talking about? Let's give that an explanation. I know what that is, but yeah. let's, let's, let's explain <clears throat> that. So a one rep max is the, the weightlifting equivalent of your peak power, effectively. So it's, it's the heaviest load you can lift for a single repetition. So a great way of, of kind of um, prescribing training is to is to take a percentage of that one rep max and do that for more repetitions. So typically, if I wanted to lift 10 reps, I'd work at somewhere around about 70% of my one rep max or my predicted one rep max. Um, so yeah, to begin with, I'd work at around about 60, 65% of what I think my one rep max is and do about eight Four, uh, three or four sets of eight reps. And I, then, like you say, I gradually build the the volume, the number of reps I can perform with that lower weight before I then start to increase the weight. Perfect. Um, so, I, yeah, you build it up gradually. This is really good. I love this because I know that um, our listeners who aren't familiar with this kind of work have now got some way of personalizing it to them. Yeah. Uh, we're obviously not saying go out and actually figure out uh, what your one rep max is <laughs> by doing it. How would someone guess that? What's the best way? Well, actually, I think about it. So what I normally do with, with complete beginners is work off just a scale out of 10. Okay. So 10 being the hardest thing you've ever done, zero being, you know, you're asleep. Um, so let's you know, do 10 reps, and I want it to feel like a 6 out of 10. So that's a good guide, you know. If it's less than a 6 out of 10, well, you need to lift a bit heavier, assuming you can do your, your form correctly. If it's more than a 6 out of 10, then it's probably a bit too heavy. Fantastic. So we know that for our <laughs> listeners, that they could go away and they yeah. can uh, uh, either, either follow a sort of predicted 
one rep max sort of scale or an RPE, yeah. rate of perceived exertion sort of scale. Um, cool. So now, one of the things I do, so with, with a lot of my clients, especially the remote clients I coach, uh, I use a, an app and I can prescribe training through that app. Uh, the app's called Train Heroic. And as you, so you know, I can begin by saying, look, let's make this a six out of 10, seven out of 10. And as you start entering your data into it, behind the scenes, it'll start building up, predicting one rep max. It's got a little algorithm behind it, a formula called the Biziki formula. So the more kind of data you put into it, the more kind of um, accurate this predicted max becomes for any given exercise. So you, eventually you get to be more, you know, pretty, uh, pretty good kind of uh, guide. And that's the Train Heroic app. That's the one. Fantastic. Yep. So we're, we're saying we're, that's going to be one of our, our top tips. So we remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about, so for somebody who may be, and let's take our guy, uh, guy or girl with uh, a knee injury, persistent knee injury. Um, what might they do um, to, to sort of strengthen that? Yeah, so, well, assuming that they've done the things we said before, so assuming you know, they've had the bike fit checked yeah. and they've seen a physio and, you know, it's nothing too serious, then the, if, it's a, if it's a knee injury, the likelihood is that the quadriceps are significantly stronger than their glutes and hamstrings. Um, and the, the tissue on the outside of their thigh, that kind of thick, gristly tissue between your quad and your hamstring, it's called the ITB band, could be very, very tight, or your quadricep itself could be very, very tight. So using techniques like foam rolling or um, myofascial release on the front of your front of your thighs, again, really, really beneficial. You can have immediate effect um, to reduce knee pain. Um, but it's good, it's, you know, it's good to do regularly. So before, before you cycle, before you go to the gym uh, and as part of recovery. Um, so that'd be the number one thing. And then the strength plan might be to, to do more pulling based exercises for so these hip hinges I was talking before. You might want to bring in some more specific glute and hamstring strengthening work and limit the amount of work on the, on the front of your body, on your quads. Fantastic. And now let's just open that up and it's going to be very difficult to answer because I'm not going to give a specific injury, but let's just say that we've got a listener now that has an injury and we won't yeah. name it what's their pathway once they've been to the physio um and i guess i guess that actually that is probably it. the physio is going to give them some specific exercises and we're just going to say that this is not a bike fit issue this is a yeah. uh, something that they need to do uh, what they are they just looking to always release that maybe with the like you say the foam roller and then strengthening it with uh, with some form of exercise uh, basically yeah i mean what what I would look at is is like the, the bigger picture. So there needs to be a balance through their program. So I'd look at their kind of weekly and monthly, you know, training plans. Um, are their bike sessions spread out? Are they are there massive fluctuations in the type of work that they're doing? Um, does their uh, strength or any off bike plan are they kind of spaced out appropriately? Um, and does their plan, again, does it give a balance? So, you know, are, are they balancing out any potential imbalance, you know, imbalances? So, you know, is there as much pushing as pulling? Is, are there any lateral work on there? Because obviously cycling is predominantly linear forwards and backwards movement. Um, are there any rotation? Is there any rotational work in there? So, you know, 
to alleviate most injuries, there just needs to be balance, a slow progression in how difficult things are uh, without any wild fluctuations or wild changes in in um, what you're doing. Absolutely. And you, you said a, a really good word there, kind of comes on to my next point, and that's progression. Um, what I mean, I guess we probably, we answer this, train heroic could be a great way to track progression. What's yeah. a realistic timescale to be seeing uh, strength and conditioning improvements or adaptations or gains or anything like that, um, mm. just so that people aren't expecting it to be like, <laughs> go from, you know, like typical 100-mile cyclist to Chris Hoy in like a month or something like that. <laughs> Uh, again, like everything, it's an, it, it depends. So it, uh, let's assume you've never been to the gym before and you're a complete kind of newbie. Um, you, you'll see sort of gym-based improvements. You'll start to be able to lift more like within the second session. Like from the first session to the second session, you'll be better um, because of the, the improvements, the initial improvements are like neurological predominantly to begin with. So your, your brain gets used to the movements and, and it learns the skill of the exercise first before it really starts to make any physiological changes. Um, so that will become pretty much immediate. You'll start to notice kind of um, strength gains, if you like, in about six to eight weeks. And then there'll be noticeable improvements for the typical person on the bike um, about 12 weeks or so. But like everything, it completely depends. Everybody's an individual, and there's a whole kind of milieu—a good word—of um, mm-hmm. of factors, <laughs> kind of uh, play, taking the part on all that. So, uh, but typically they're the kind of time frames we see. Excellent. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think now we'll have a go at cracking our top five tips. And uh, <laughs> we've already got number one. So I think all of our, our listeners, we, we can we can talk about downloading the Train Heroic app and uh, <laughs> using that. But, um, so yeah. Scott, subscribing number... to FastFit Strong. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what's number two? Well, well my, my number one really is, is, you know, to make sure your bike fits correctly. Okay, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, bike fits. So my good friend, a guy called Phil Burt, who was the um, British cycling lead physiotherapist for about ten years, he always taught you know the bike is adjustable, the body is adaptable. So you kind of need to meet halfway. Um, so if the bike's you know out of position, you, you, you're going to get injured at some point. That's a fact. So number two would be the opposite of that. So it's, you know, my, my side of the fence is to start some kind of off the bike program. You know, I obviously advocate you know, you're a strength-based program, but there's there's a lot of other um, times throughout the training week where you can do things. So we talked about you know recovery periods using the foam roller, and off the bike warm-up can really really help. And use a little sort of mini stretch bands you can do just to get your glutes fired up and get your joints mobilised, um, rather than just sitting on and progressively pedalling faster. Um, and then cooling down again when you finish, just to kind of help yourself recover. Um, number three would be to make sure there's balance in your program. So you know, think about what you're training for and, and work backwards. So think about your training year, break that down into um, phases, uh, manage your training week, and then manage your training day. Just like we said before, so that the, there aren't wild changes in in what you're trying to do. Um, there's a, a, an Australian researcher called Tim Gabbert, and he's done a lot of work. I mean, it's on predominantly rugby league, 
but what he says it's not necessarily the volume or intensity of work that causes injuries it's it's changes so even if um you know you've worked hard to say you know a, a recovery week if you completely stop and then the week later go back to you know almost where you were you've had a, a quite a significant change in your in your training plan and at those points is when a lot of injuries happen so you may want to just reduce your training for a little while, but still do something and then gradually increase it back up rather than stopping and starting. That makes sense. So that, yeah, that was moving forward. No sudden changes. And then the last one is um, possibly, you know, one of the simplest to implement is just make sure that you, you're recovering properly from the work that you're doing. So what, what's the saying? All that training doesn't make you better. It's recovering from training that makes you better. Um, so make sure you know, your nutrition is um, up to scratch, uh, your hydration, you're hydrated. So talk about the three R's from, from a recovery point of view, uh, which is re- uh, rehydrate, re- uh, replenish, and repair. So fluid for rehydration, carbohydrates for replenishing, and protein for repairing the body. And the easiest recovery tool of all is make sure you're getting enough sleep and do all those. And you should be all right. Fantastic. There we go. Nailed all five, Scott. It's almost as if you knew that that question was coming, mate. <laughs> almost, mate. Almost. Uh, well, well done. I think that they are, I think this has been an excellent, excellent episode of the Beast Boat podcast. And uh, uh, for our listeners, definitely, if you're not already a subscriber, you should subscribe now because we are going to be bringing you a, uh, a roughly a, a, an, an episode a month with Scott uh, across a, a very, uh, very difference of, of topics from sort of core training for endurance athletes to more advanced stuff and then home-based uh, strength and conditioning stuff. So um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely subscribe. And uh, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure again having you on. Likewise, absolutely enjoyed it, yeah. And uh, we look forward to, to, again, seeing you within our uh, uh, Facebook group. So for the listeners, uh, if you're on Facebook, make sure you join our group. We penciled it in for Monday the 9th of uh, December, and it's usually around 7 p.m. But if you join the group, we'll obviously make sure you know. And uh, you have your questions uh, answered by Scott, the man himself, uh, within our group. And uh, again, listeners, thank you. Obviously, it's always a pleasure to to hear from you. So if you've got any questions, comments, feel free to, to read reach out and uh, uh, and uh, share the podcast with your friends and uh, leave us a review because uh, it's always good to make sure that other people can uh, understand exactly uh, how much you've enjoyed this. So uh, thanks again. My name is Pav Bryan. I am performance director and co-founder here at Spokes and you've been listening to Bespoked.